This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. WFAN, WFAN-FM, WFAN-FM HD1, New York. Always live on the free Odyssey app. All right, so we're back on the fan. Salicata, Marco Belletti is in for this segment. And we welcome in J.J. John Jastrzemski. Him and I were just yelling at each other over at SNY a few years, a few hours ago. How are you, J.J.? Well, Sal, I, my voice is hanging in. Uh, I, I got the waterworks with Beheim's retirement. I'm watching the 30 for 30 on the Big East now because I'm up at 2 in the morning. And I have way too many bets for tomorrow's college basketball. So after that, everything's okay. What's up, pal? You're, you're an animal with the bets. We got Marco sitting in here, JJ, so we'll have some fun talking What's up, JJ? Oh, Marco, one of the best. Miss you, buddy. How are you? You too, man. Start with the uh, Bayheim stuff. We were just talking about it. I mean, 47 years. What are you hearing inside? I know you still talk to people at Syracuse, all that stuff. I mean, he, he was pushed out, basically, right? That's the sense I get. You heard Jim Beham a month ago. The guy seemed defiant that he was going to coach as long as he wanted to continue to coach. But one thing I noticed, guys, is over the last couple of weeks, his tune kind of changed a little bit. It changed. Maybe it's because the team played really poorly down the stretch of the year. Maybe it's coming some of the embarrassing press conferences, whatever the case may be. I got a sense they have like the whole 20th year anniversary of the Mellow team and the only championship they have uh, in his tenure. And it seemed like that was going to be it for him. I don't know why. I just had a phony feeling that this was going to be the end of the road for Jim Behan. And it's not the greatest ending. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I mean, they were a bad team the last two years. They're not the same standard of Q's that they once were. But you guys know this. Joe Torre had a lousy ending. Tom Coughlin had a lousy ending. Don Shula had a lousy like that. Unfortunately, that sometimes is the way it goes. And I think in ten years or even five years, I don't think anybody's going to look back on the end for Jim Beheim when they think about forty-seven years in Syracuse. I mean, the guy was think about this: the guy was coaching Syracuse. Gerald Ford was the president of the United States. Just let that sink in for me. <laughs> Gerald freaking Ford. I heard that one already in the SOI newsroom. So, But, J.J., hang on a second, though. Did you feel like he knew that the writing was coming and this was whatever that bizarre press conference that was today? Was that the Hail Mary that he was trying to see if Syracuse would give him one more olive branch and one more year? Is that what he was trying to accomplish? That's a really good question. I don't think so, though, Marco. Gut feel. I don't think so. To me, I think he knew, hey, guess what? I'm out here. Um, I think the whole weekend and the nostalgia of everything that the 2003 team brought to the table. I, personally, Marco, I think he's known now for about two weeks or so. 
that it's probably going to be it. No, I and get I that, but it, then then why the nonsense with, are you retiring? Well, I didn't say that. Then why go uh, through I'm that gonna, dance? I'm going to tell you why, Marco, because that's Behan. Whether you like him or not, he's not a transparent guy with some of this stuff. He likes to play games. He likes to fool around with the media. At times, he can be very abrasive with the media. Like, he was never going to be one of these guys that got the quote-unquote, you know, retirement tour. That's just not Jim Beheim. Like, it just was never going to be a thing. He's not the same sort of warm and cuddly figure that Mike Krzyzewski is. But, no, I, personally, I think he knew going into this game this was it. How That's about, my gut. How about you, JJ? Personally, uh, obviously went to Syracuse, broadcasting program and all that stuff. Give me a good story or any interaction that you may have had with Beheim over the years. Um, all right, so I got two. The first time I ever had him on, I was so freaking nervous. Like, so nervous. Like, and this was, I'm trying to think, it was in person. I don't know if it was, no, it was out of college. It was at some point when I was at the radio station. And I was just, you know, getting an interview. It was like one of those media days. And I'm like, shaking. Like, literally, my arm is like shaking. Because I know how tough he is with the media. He's scolded me plenty of times. But, like, this is one. I'm like, I'm doing this one-on-one. Like, my arm's shaking. He looks at me. He goes, sure, I'm all right. I'm like, and I noticed that my Bayheim is a little bit like a Mark Chernoff. I guess that there are some similarities there. Uh, just they, they sound similar. What can I say? Legends. But, you know, that was one where I was like, and then once that happened, the interview was great. Um, but the other one I would have, guys, is I asked the question – I want to say about Georgetown Syracuse and they just, he just was so, I don't even remember what he said. I wish I could find the audio. He was just so dismissive of the question. Like it was just like, everyone like looks at you, you get the eye rolls, you know, but the main media members at Syracuse would get those. So when you were a student, it was almost like a badge of honor when Jim Beheim would either berate a question of yours or give you a dirty look. It was, and in all seriousness, you know, like, I know it gets a lot of attention. Oh, you should be doing that to kids, blah, blah, blah. You know what my answer to that is? It made you a better interviewer. It made you better at asking a question. I don't think that was his design. I don't think that's what he was thinking in the moment. If they lose a bad game and you ask him a question he doesn't want to answer. But when you're 20 and 21 years old and, you know, you're dealing with a Hall of Fame coach and you're peppering a question like that, it's like, all right, I asked a bad question. What do I have to do differently? Like, there's something to that. Now, what about as they move forward now? We know Adrian Autry takes over. JJ, in your mind, do you feel like this will somewhat help recruiting? Do you think Beheim lost some of that? Do you think maybe some of the down years for Syracuse was he can't reach the younger players? Is there anything to that? Well, I do think the recruiting took a hit when they lost Mike Hopkins, who's coaching at Washington now. And Hopkins was... Beheim's like lieutenant forever. Everyone thought he was going to get the job a couple of years ago. Um, you know, I would say we'll find out in about a month or two, Marco. They got a bunch of freshmen. Do they keep all those freshmen? Do they actually exploit the NIL to their advantage, which is what a school like Syracuse should be doing? I think he wanted no part of it. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's the old school coach in him. And, you know, we've seen that now. Think about it, guys. The last three years. Roy Williams, Krzyzewski, Jay Wright, Behan. So there's definitely something to a lot of these coaches not wanting to have to deal with the cesspool that is the NIL. But I would hope so, Marco. It's Syracuse. 
Listen, it's Central New York. It's freezing cold. I don't know why I went to school there for two or three months. It's great. I'm proud Syracuse alum, but it's freezing up there in the wintertime. That's something you got to combat. But that tradition and what they've had with that program for years should mean something. JJ, the last one on Bayheim here before we get into some college hoops. I know you get lines on everything here. Uh, like, what's the over/under? Do you think on Bayheim? Uh, you know, surviving this now. Like, can we expect a death at some point soon? Because usually these guys have been there for forty-seven years. I mean, a lot of times, you these, you know, I hate to say it, but that's all he does. What the hell is he going to do with himself? You think he's, you know, if I had, a, if I put a number like let's say five and a half, you going over under? Bayheim lives that through that. Oh man, I'm going to go over because he's in really good shape. And Sal, you know what he's got going for him? He loves to golf. Ah, so there you go. Doing a lot right. of that, I can guarantee you this. I'd probably he take the under. His winners in Central New York. That's for sure. <laughs> Hey, Ginger, let me ask you one more with, the, uh, with with Autry and that staying inside the program or whatever. Are we 2-3 zone for Syracuse for life? Is that like NWO? Is this like is this staying for life? I sure hope not, Marco. <laughs> and you know me. Listen, I was always one of the biggest proponents of them running that 2-3 zone. And listen, the success in the tournament and teams not being prepared for it, it showed. But basketball's changed. You know, we're dealing with that Steph Curry generation so how many kids grew up watching Steph Curry and they're like yeah I want to be able to hit three-point shots from the parking lot from half court from the other side of the court whatever the case may be they want to do that you shoot through a zone their defensive metrics went to tank the last three to four years so yeah I'd get out of that two three zone unless you are going to recruit players that are way better suited for it I don't think you can play it exclusively I think you can play it some of the time you can't play it every single play on every single possession because hot shooter, they're going to find space in the zone. They're going to bang threes. Case Sa- closed. Sal Licata here talking with John Jastrzemski. Marco Belletti sitting in for the interview as well as we have some fun with our old pal JJ. All right, dude, I know you got lots of action loaded up coming up later on today. I have no idea. This is where I start to learn. I don't know about you, Marco. I'm starting to learn about college hoops now over the last couple of days. I'll get into it here with the conference tournaments, with the NCAA tournament selection Sunday. Educate us, JJ, on what we should be looking out for later on this afternoon. Listen, let me give you guys some advice. As someone who's not, I I watch college basketball, but I'm not Rothstein. I'm not one of these guys that's going to be able to recite seven, eight guys on every single roster. You know, we got a lot of things cooking. You do, I do, Marco, we all All do. Now that bores us to tears anyway. We just want the surface stuff. (laughs) Where's our money going? (laughs) All right, so I, I give you the surface stuff without hesitation. Bet numbers. When you see teams that are ranked, that are public, that are obvious, and lines are moving against them, play that. Use that to your advantage. I'll give you an example today, Sal. Wisconsin, they were on the quote-unquote bubble, right? They were an underdog against Ohio State, who stinks. They're five games under 500. They've had a rotten season. But yet when I'm looking at the betting lines today, Ohio State is favored going into the game. That was when I circled. I said immediately, I am betting the Ohio State Buckeyes. Doesn't make sense. I'm going to take it. Away you go. There are a couple like that tomorrow. Kansas, who everybody's going to say, national champs, great team, great coach, playing the Big 12 in Kansas City. They're only a three-point favorite against West Virginia. That's the sort of stuff, like the lines that kind of seem too good to be true with a lot of those public teams, I like going the other way. And then with these favorites, sometimes if you like a favorite, like, I'll give you an example. Miami tomorrow. I think Miami's going to win the game. Do I think Miami's going to cover the number? 
Not necessarily. I'll throw them in a two-team money line parlay. And I know that could be square from time to time, but if you take two or three favorites you like, it's a winning formula. Now, Jay Jalaska, again, you're not being an insider or any of that, but some of the local flavor. Rutgers, big game with Michigan in the Big Ten tournament. Where are the Scarlet Knights getting into the tournament? What do they have to do? I know the Big Ten's all kind of muddled up in the middle of the conference. What does this game do for Rutgers, and what do they need to do to make the tournament? Well, they better win tomorrow, Marco. <laughs> they don't win tomorrow. Forget it. And, and you guys could blame me because I had Pike on the podcast about a week and a half ago, and then it was to Minnesota, and it was the Northwestern. So, sorry, Coach. It wasn't me. Oh, I you jinxed You jinxed Rutgers. So, now, listen, put That's your blame. Now, what did I say? The send the voicemail. The tournament is over. You send the voicemails <laughs> to JJ. Exactly. You jinxed <laughs> Rutgers. How dare you? <laughs> oh, man. Yes, I did, baby. I might have. I might take the, the onus for that one. No, I'm just kidding. They need to win. Here's the problem, guys. They can't score. They're an unbelievable defensive team. Rutgers is hideous on offense. That line is three and a half right now. The good news, Rutgers fans, though, and I'm not betting this game tomorrow. This is actually now a stay away from me. I told Freaks I liked Michigan. I told Sal earlier today I liked Michigan. I got cold feet now. Kempom, which is this metric site. If you're into college basketball, you probably know what I'm talking about. If you don't, there's this guy, Kempom. They, everybody uses him now in college basketball. They have like offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency. And why do I bring all this up? They create point spreads. Vegas uses the numbers Kempom puts out, and that's where they kind of base their point spreads. Well, Kempom likes Rutgers. They're only a one-point dog, yet that line is three and a half. So, Sal, Marco, that gives me – Hope that Rutgers can find a way to win. But I think if they lose tomorrow, they shouldn't be in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, no I, way. I was telling J.J. in the newsroom before, I am betting Rutgers uh, because of exactly what J.J. was talking about. Ah, Michigan, everybody thinks that Michigan's going to win the game. They've had no, a Rutgers number. If I bet this game, and I, I might, I mean, i got to remember to do it if I can wake up in time. It's, it's a noon tip, right, yeah. J.J.? Yeah, well, you got to bet it now. I mean, I'll give you a second. You're gonna, you like the game? No, don't wait. Bet it now. Yeah, bet I know. I'm just afraid to dip back in because I've been out, you know, since the Super Bowl. And now once I get back in, you know, i got a problem. I, I could become... <laughs> well, you gotta ease, you got to ease yourself in responsibly going into next week. Because this is like the appetizer before the, the main dish next week. You yeah. know, this is like the... This is like the shrimp cocktail and the galama before you have the entree. And for you, your appetizer coming up in a couple weeks, JJ's got his bachelor party in Vegas. Fleegs will be there. Is that right? The way too early JJ bachelor party for the wedding that is in late August. That is correct. You believe that, Marco? JJ and the boys, Fleegs will be there. This is not uh, next weekend, the weekend after? Final, Final four, four weekend, right. Final, Final four, four weekend, opening day weekend. That. Opening weekend of baseball. We'll have that. Now, I would Final say I would want that. video of this, but I don't think anybody should be taking any video of this. Don't count on it, though. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's going to be a, a bleep show, I'm sure. Guys, gambling glory. I don't know if Fleek's going to make it back. Fleek, we may have to find a new board op. Fleek's going to be a producer, I should say. We're going to have to find a new producer. Fleek's not going to make it back from that one. If I don't make it back, Rosenberg's definitely not making it back. To the airport. I will do that. I can oblige. Um, anybody that we should look out for in, in the Big East tournament uh, or somebody local, J.J., that can make a run in the NCAA tournament when that gets underway? So UConn right now is playing as well as anybody. And UConn has been a team with Hurley, and I like Dan a lot. Dan's a program builder, did it at Wagner, did it at URI. He's doing it now at UConn. But he's got to win in the tournament. He's got to get this UConn team, I think, 
to the second weekend of the tournament. They got, they got the talent to do so. I mentioned those metrics. They top 20 offensive and defensive efficiency. They're a four seed. They should be the favorites to win the Big East tournament. Sal, they should be a team that should make some noise. And if they don't, I think it's a bitter disappointment. The Johnnies tomorrow are interesting. They get the win. They've had a very disappointing year. Everybody's talking about Anderson getting fired. I understand the appeal and the love affair with Patino. Patino would come in and it'd be instant contenders. They'd be fun to watch. The, the guy's one of the best coaches in the history of the sport. I think they're going to be live against Marquette tomorrow. I'm not saying they're going to win the game. I think the idea that they played Wednesday, play again today, maybe could catch Marquette a little bit off guard. I would take the Johnnies to keep that game close. Um, but locally, I think the team we're going to be talking about is UConn because they are legit. You know what it is with UConn? We haven't talked about them in a national spotlight for a while. We haven't talked about them as like a team that's gone on one of those deep runs. That always used to be their MO. They get in the tournament, Kemba Walker, Shabazz Napier, they go and win the whole thing, for goodness sakes. This should be a year we're talking about UConn making a deep run. All right, JJ, switching gears a little bit. I know you're close. You know Daniel Jones pretty well, weekly guest with your podcast. Now that the contract is finally done, he gets the four years, he gets $160 million. Giants get their quarterback. Your thoughts on them getting this deal done, and do you think this sets up the Giants moving forward? Do you like this deal? Well, they had to do it, Marco. Listen, what was the alternative for the Giants? Mm-hmm. Daniel Jones played terrific football for them last year. Um, they didn't give him much to work with outside of Saquon Barkley. I mean, he wins a playoff game. He torches the Vikings. And listen, they got thoroughly outclassed by Philadelphia. They have a lot of work to do before they're on the level of the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I think we could all agree on that. But they had to take care of Daniel Jones. I think the good news for everybody involved is they didn't give him the franchise tag, which is good for Daniel Jones. That's also good for the Giants. They need the cap space now. Daniel Jones wants more than a one-year commitment. But what's helpful here is, let's say, after the next two years, you're not happy with where you're at at the quarterback position. You can get out of that contract. It's not one of these contracts where in four or five years you were totally screwed from a team standpoint. Marco, they didn't have proper management for a long time. I mean, let's be honest. The entire Gettleman regime was a you-know-what show. Every which way, I don't want to hear any of the apologists out there. It was hideous across the board. I think the Giants have people in place that know what they're doing. I think Joe Shane knows what he's doing. I think Brian Dable knows what he's doing. And Jones, I want to see how he can grow. He can't max out here now. He maxes out and plays the way he did, you know, for most of his career, and he's making $40 million. You're not going to be happy. Add more talent. See him grow, see him work with Brian Dable, and I think he'll have success. Last one for me, JJ. What is your? Have you heard from Jones here? I mean, I know like Marco was saying, you have him on your podcast. I know you were friendly with him, in is touch he, with him. Change paying agency. for the bachelor party? Yeah, exactly. Did he get the invite yeah, out there? Uh, I, I think that'd be a little weird. I don't know. I, I feel like that might be a little bit of a conflict of interest. I, I will tell you this: he is on my to-do list to send a text to tomorrow. I did not. It's been on my mind. I wanted to wait a day or two, so I'm maybe spoiling the party a little bit. I will be sending our buddy a text tomorrow. Smart move. Uh, you got to wait a day. I've learned the hard. You got to wait because you know what? If I send him a text as soon as the contract comes out, you think he's seeing that text? I mean, let's let's be real about this. He yeah. likes me. He doesn't like me that much. No. You know, he's not going to answer me over his coach or his agent or any of that sort of spiel. I, I had... think if we wait a day or two. We did what he needed to do. 
He gets the text from me tomorrow. Yeah, I had that same thing happen with Omar, JJ, our, our, our friend over at uh, SNY. Yeah, we had him on the shows. He'd become friendly with him. Mm-hmm. He was calling me, texting occasionally. Mm-hmm. He gets the job with the Yankees. I text him, congratulations, blah, blah, blah. Nothing back. That's it. Well, it could just be you, Seth. Wow, you got ghosted. I thought Omar and you were tight. Terry would never do that to you. No, no, but Terry and I are legit Terry tight. Never. No, Omar is now <laughs> traded. That's it. That. Omar's dead to me. He traded. Play- He's on the Yankees now. That's it. It's over. And he doesn't return my text. I don't know what's worse, well, being on the Yankees. He's going to advise Cashman that no way in the world uh, Hicks should be in left field, my Cash should be in shortstop. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Uh, we appreciate the time. We'll get you on during baseball season and talk some Yanks, JJ. We appreciate the time. Um, back to my waterworks with this 30 for 30. I miss the old piggies. I'll see you guys. Thanks. Mark, always great hearing your voice. Take Later, care, John. JJ. Good to talk to you, man. John Jastrzemski, of course. Check out his podcast. Fleegs, you know, uh, just promote the exact name and where everybody can uh, find that. I didn't even... Uh, I should have done that for JJ, the podcast. Yeah, New, New, York, New York, New York with John Jastrzemski, and he's also one of the hosts of the Ringer Gambling Show. Okay. I know he was recording that late tonight. Oh, yeah, right. That's what he was telling me before. That I'm bad with the names and stuff like that, unless I have it written down, and I didn't. So that's why I was asking Fleas right there. But always fun to talk with JJ. He is he's a nut job, a certified nut job. You know when he enters the room at SMY? And oh, yeah. You know, oh, my God. Any room that he's in, yeah, you know right. he's there. <laughs> And then if he gets going, he's in a good mood. You get the strut. Oh, yeah. All right. The JJ strut. There's nothing better. De- yeah. Depending on the result of whatever bet was made uh, <laughs> on that day. And there will be a lot made later today with all this action picking up with the conference tournaments. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. World Series over! Yankees win! The Yankees win! When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan successful team in the history of professional sports. Starting the new millennium, the New York Yankees are once again world champions. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Back on the fan, 
Your calls the rest of the way. Been a little bit of a different show today as we usually don't have any guests. And today we had two guests. 877-337-6666. We started the show talking about Daniel Jones and his contract and really just where he is as a quarterback. It's not a knock on Daniel Jones or the Giants for giving him the contract. We understand why they had to do it. But the reality is Jones has not proven anything yet. He's had one good year in four, and they are betting that he is going to take another step or two, and they're going to need him to because in his own division right now, he's the third-best quarterback. And, you know, we got into comparing him to Dak and all that stuff, and Giant fans get upset. We also talked about Aaron Rodgers and the Jets and also Lamar Jackson. Should he be a viable option for the Jets as well? We had Sean King on, former NFL quarterback, works for VEASAN, and he seemed to think the Jets are foolish for not going after Lamar Jackson first and foremost. Forget Aaron Rodgers. Go all in on Lamar. So that'll be something to stay tuned to. Not for the Jets, at least I wouldn't think. It sounds like Rodgers. But the pursuit of Lamar Jackson from other teams, what's going on exactly with that? Why are teams reluctant to give Jackson the deal that he wants? Aaron is calling from Australia. Good morning, Aaron. Hey, Sal. How you going, mate? How are you, Aaron? I'm good, mate. How are you? Good. What Thanks time? What what time is it in Australia? Uh, it's half past three in the afternoon in Western Australia, so I'm on the west coast. Wow. Okay. So uh, yeah, we're what are we about twelve hours from you? All right. Hours? Yeah, Six I don't know. I've never been there. It's a long, too long a flight. I'm not good on planes. <laughs> Fourteen hours, mate. It is a fair hike. So, um, mate, massive Mets fan, and I catch you on uh, SMY on Baseball Night New York and whatnot, and always wanted to call and say hello. Um, loved you. Always loved your views on that. Um, been watching spring training and interested to know what your thoughts are on Beatty, Mauricio, and and um, um, Alvarez. Although we haven't really seen Alvarez much yet, I guess because the World Baseball Classic is about to start. Well, he um, did. Alvarez obviously. did catch Scherzer yesterday, and Scherzer said, uh, "I think he said he was. He, he thought he was progressing." Uh, as a catcher. So those are going to be important things with uh, Narvaez at the World Baseball Classic. Now Alvarez is going to get a uh, better opportunity to actually catch. Here's what I'll say about the prospects. I wouldn't put too much stock in their numbers early on in spring training. And I also don't believe there's any way Beatty, outside of an injury, there's no way Beatty is on the opening day roster. He's just not ready defensively to be a major league third baseman. Yeah. Now, look, I, I, I agree. Look, I, I know there's a lot of guys that I don't know a lot of fans that, that don't have a lot of love for Eduardo Escobar, but um, I've got to be honest with you. You know, like I, I just love what he brings to the team and the energy he brings. He's always smiling in the dugout. You know, like I, I think, you know, in professional sports, it's all well and good to have that talent and be the guy and be the number one guy that performs. But you know, you've got to have good people around you as well. And I just get the impression that Escobar is one of those guys. So oh, I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited for the year, man. Like I, I've. I've I haven't let my phone leave my side all the whole spring, all off season, you know, with all the acquisitions and things. And, and then hopefully end of this year, now that, that Machado's off the table, I think it's great that Machado and Correa are off the table. Steve Cohen can just go and focus on Otani and, um, you know, make that our one thing for the end of this season. And with any luck, we see the Mets you know, how, winning World Series. That would just be amazing. How did you, Aaron, become a – are you from Australia, born and raised there? 100%, mate, yeah, yeah. Right. I've lived here all my life. So how'd um, you become I, a Mets I, fan? Yeah, yeah, great story. Well, great story, great story to me, I guess. <laughs> um, so I I played T-ball, baseball in Australia. It wasn't that big baseball back in the 80s. 
um, you know, Australian rules football is, is obviously the number one sport down here. And, um, you know, so I sort of, I, I just was following baseball in amongst playing tennis and a few other things and, and Australian rules footy. And uh, we had a, an American uh, sports presenter down here who used to have a show on, on the Australian uh, ABC channel and he'd show American sports. It would be football or whatever the case may be. Anyway, he'd, every now and again, you'd get baseball. And uh, the first game I saw was the Mets game. So as a, as a 13, 14 year old, and that was it. I just fell in love with them. So, and I've, I've barracked for them ever since. And it's, it's, it was hard for a long time. You know, a lot of the times I just have to read the results, you know, in the newspaper or whatever, because you can get everything online, you know. And, and since I, I think I've been a subscriber of MLB TV for as long as it's been out. You know, so, and then of course now with technology and VPNs, I get to watch you and JJ and all those guys on, on SNY and, um, you know, really stay in touch with what's going on with the Mets. So, now, how do you, uh, just love, how do you watch us from SNY? You have the, you have the app? Yeah, yeah, just use the app or VPN. Yeah, just use a VPN and, and, you know, um, yeah, I Tremendous. Yeah, look, I, I look, I, the, the way you guys do sports over there, we, we were, I was over there on holiday in 2016 and, and saw the Mets play in City Field, and um, you know we go to the sport here. The sport is just about the game. You know, you go and watch the football. I go and watch the West Coast Eagles or whatever. It's just about the game. Um, what struck me most about, you know, particularly the baseball, was that it, it wasn't just about the game. It was the environment and, and and the entertainment in between innings, and it was just a real theatrical. I loved it. I just couldn't get enough of it. Interesting. So we 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 it- managed to catch Mets clinch in 16 in, in Philadelphia we, we happened to be in the right place at the right time and yeah just yeah, it was just an amazing trip so have you, love what uh, you guys do over there. have you had the opportunity or did you ever have the opportunity to go to see a game at Shea I never did no sadly I missed out on Shea I would have loved to have gone there although I hear it too the, the stands are really really uh, vertical so, yeah, it's to- um, a totally different experience, much bigger stadium, and there's yeah. not much to do outside of watch the game. And that's why I was asking because the contrast from experiencing a game at Shea Stadium, which was one of my favorite places on earth because I grew up watching it and then going there, but the contrast from that and then the modern-day ballpark, City Field in particular, totally different. So you're experiencing, oh, there's a lot going on in the entertainment and all that stuff. It wasn't like that at Shea. At Shea, you'd go there, and the food wasn't even good, so really you didn't really get up from your seat unless you had to go to the bathroom. It was basically just about the game. Yeah. Look, I, I, I thought it was amazing. I mean, I, you know, everything was uh, – our week in New York was nothing short of exceptional. And um, But, you know, the, the, obviously the – I mean, quarter ball off uh, Conforto, the second game with there, the first game against Atlanta, he just happened to throw it into the stand and – Hit me in the chest, basically. I caught it. They would have hit me in the chest if I hadn't caught it. So just the whole experience we had. Um, even the Mets found out we were there and, and gave us, you know, first game and this sort of stuff. It was just, yeah, just an amazing experience, mate. Yeah, that's awesome. Reinforced my love for the organisation even more. That's awesome, Aaron. I love hearing that, and we appreciate. I appreciate you watching, and I appreciate you taking the time to listen and taking the time to call. We appreciate that very much. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, man. Yep. All right, Aaron, and go, let's go, Matt. You get back to us during the season. How about that? Born and raised in Australia. Somehow, some way, watches a baseball game first time. It's the Mets, and he falls in love with the Mets and has been a fan ever since. That's pretty cool. And stuck through all the crap, you know, the, the down years, the crappy years. And now maybe you get to enjoy some success for a change. Eddie is calling from St. James. Good morning, Eddie. 
Hey, good morning, sir. Thank you for taking my call. I'll be real quick. I want to ping a little bit off the, the gentleman from Australia. When I lived in Bayside for uh, nine years, I went up to the um, – it wasn't Cunningham Park. I can't think of the name of the park. But I learned how to play cricket from these Indian folks. And, you know, I'd said that out in the outfield. I still don't understand the wicket and the bat, but I'd go out and field the ball and stuff. And mm-hmm. I love baseball. And what he said, one thing about keeping your eye on the ball and not making fun of um, that Saturday Night Live skit uh, – with uh, what's his, uh, Morris, whatever his name is. But um, I was at a Long Island Ducks game, and I almost got beamed, and we were, like, right behind uh, home plate. It was a foul ball that came up. And um, I'm just hoping for our New York teams to win something, you know, something. Oh, so get uh, one other point that I've been trying to express for so long. I think that uh, – um, when um, uh, Aaron Rodgers said that he was going to stay away in a, a dark room with a switch for four days or whatever he had said, he was being metaphorical. And, and what he really meant was like he wanted to stay away from the public eye. He wanted to stay from the papers, his teammates, his coaches, and he didn't want to know anything about it. So he wasn't being like you had to read through it. But um, I want, as far as my Jets, um, because they've got a great um, offensive line, Lamar Jackson would be the perfect quarterback. You rather have train... Lamar over Aaron Rodgers? Yes, sir. Because you know what? If they could just train him to stay in the pocket, and you know, don't worry about it, because your line, the line is really good this year. Stay there, you know. Because I don't know about Rodgers. Okay. So, well, what, what, anyway, don't, what don't you know about Rodgers? Oh, uh, he's great. But he doesn't move. Lamar is that that, and that's why he got hurt. Oh, Rodgers could move. Rodgers could. I mean, look, he's not the most mobile quarterback, especially at age thirty nine anymore. But but Lamar had Lamar had no line, and they were always smacking into him. And you know what? And you know what? I can't blame him for that. And um, Lamar runs uh, the football, though, Eddie. And thank you for the call. Lamar is a runner of the football. I mean, he's a quarterback who plays the game like a running back, and he's the best that I've ever seen running the football. And the issue is not his and the issue is not necessarily style of play. It's that it leads Lamar into being hurt more often. It takes much more of a toll on his body. Now it's a great strength. You know what Lamar Jackson is? He's an excellent football player. He's a football player. He can throw it, he can run it. He's electrifying. He is a football player. But there are some concerns there. Look, somebody's going to... See, here's how I view this situation. And I know we had Sean King on before. He had his thoughts on it. Everybody's got their own opinion. Here's my opinion on what's actually going on. I believe Lamar went to the Ravens and said, I want Deshaun Watson money. He got it. I'm better than he is. Give me the guaranteed. I'll just throw out the 250. It's either 230, 250, whatever. Let's just say 250 for argument's sake. I want the 250 million guaranteed. The Ravens say, look, we know you're worth it, but we're not doing it. The Browns are idiots for giving out that contract, and we're not going to follow suit there. We'll give you X and X guaranteed, but we can't do all of it, the whole thing guaranteed. We'll give you $250 million, but, you know, 150 of it or whatever the number is, is guaranteed. Lamar fights back, blah, 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 blah. Then the Ravens say, well, we'll put the tag on you, the transition tag or whatever it's called, the, the franchise tag that allows other teams to openly negotiate with them. And they'll say, go 
see if you can negotiate with another team, and then we're going to have the chance to match the contract. And I firmly believe that, let's just say, the Carolina Panthers or whoever, Washington goes out there and gives Lamar a $230 million contract offer, that whatever they give, the Ravens are going to match. I believe this is a spot where the Ravens had him valued at one thing. Lamar's valued himself at another. He's going to go out there and seek other offers now because the Ravens putting that tag on him allowed him to do that. And they're sitting back basically saying, go see what you can get on the open market. And whatever you get, we're going to match it. And now that's the only true way Lamar's going to find out his value is if other teams get involved. You know, let's say the Panthers say, hey, we want this guy. We'll give you $250 million guaranteed, and we'll give up the picks. The Ravens are going to have to make a decision, but I, I do believe that they want him back. And if another team proves or shows that they would be willing to go to that length for Lamar Jackson, I think the Ravens would match the offer. They just can't agree to a deal right now because Baltimore doesn't believe that Lamar is going to get what he's asking for elsewhere. That's what I think is going to happen. He'll get an offer. It may not be what he wants, but it'll be a significant offer, and I believe the Ravens are going to match it. You cannot let Lamar Jackson go if you're Baltimore. You can't do it. And I don't don't think Harbaugh wants to do it. I don't think anybody with the Ravens wants to do it. So then it's just a matter of what they deem the proper value, and they're going to find that out. After he talks to other teams. Get the discussion started. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Sal kind of back on the fan. Going to 5 a.m. The warm-up show with Alan Jerry. I don't know what the hell happened here. I got ink all over my hands. I don't know if a pen exploded or it was because I was handling the paper. Make sure I don't get over my sweatshirt. What the hell's going on over here? Uh, anyway, we started the show talking about Daniel Jones. It's really been a quarterback-themed show on this Thursday. Jones, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers. If you want to get into the baseball, we could do that as well. Max Scherzer looked pretty good yesterday. And another spring out in Garrett Cole looked dominant. Isn't it great that we have four well, I mean, yeah, I guess you got to throw Rodon in there. But four top pitchers in baseball in this town that we get to watch on a regular basis, Scherzer, Verlander, Cole, Rodon, the Mets and Yanks are loaded. It is going to be another fun baseball season, at least one filled with high expectations. I don't know why the Yankees are messing around moving Aaron Judge in left field to accommodate John Carl Stanton. I mean, it doesn't really make much sense to me. You know, theory being, you need a left fielder, go get a left fielder. John Carl Stanton wants to play in the outfield, trade him somewhere else because he's not an outfielder. He's a DH. Guy, guy can't stay healthy. He's got some goal. Can't stay healthy but wants to play in the outfield. Oh, and by the way, he's not a good outfielder. So a guy who wants to, wants to play in the outfield because he feels like it keeps him in the flow can never stay healthy, nor is he a good outfielder. So what do the Yankees do? They move Aaron Judge, of all people, in a left field. Yeah, that makes sense. Graham is calling from Hackensack. What's up, Graham? Hey, Sal. How are you doing tonight? Good, Graham. How are you? I'm doing well, my man. Thank you. Uh, I just, I just want to start with uh, talking about the Daniel Jones contract. I 
I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I look at it. Uh, I mean, this, this, this guy, you know, the, the, the team said, we're not going to give you the fifth year option. They played him out and okay, fine. They went to the playoffs. Sure. He had a monster game. Nobody can take that away from him in uh, the divisional round. And but, it, yeah, the long day, round. but yeah, yeah, I'm um, thanking. Yeah, 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 no, no worries. Just wanted to make clarify, but go ahead. But I mean, I, I, I look at him as a quarterback, and I mean, I, it's been you know four years. I don't see it. I mean, look at a guy like Joe Burrow. Look at Justin Herbert. Like, you know, there there are quarterbacks you see in their first several years, and you see that talent. You see that ability to take a team and take them on your shoulders to the next level. I've not seen that from Daniel Jones. And I'm not a Giants fan. I don't hate the Giants, but I watch them all the time because I'm in this area. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're overpaying for for the hope that he's going to become the guy that they drafted him and wanted him to be. The problem is, and again, I don't know if I could say that they're overpaying because that is their guy. That's what the numbers are for a guy. Um, I mean, I don't want to say of a guy of that caliber because it should be a little bit less, but uh, it's not a great overpay. The problem is when you look at what he's getting in comparison to who's getting similar, the other quarterbacks are significantly better. That's the issue that you have. No, and, that, and that's fair, and I agree with that. I mean, and uh, p- part of the problem with the NFL is the next quarterback up gets the next biggest contract. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Matt Ryan got the biggest sure. quarterback deal in NFL history. You know what I mean? How'd that work out? Yeah, and he's not the best, obviously, the best quarterback. But, yes, you're right. It's a product of um, – you know, the timing of it. But let's just look at the examples this year right now. You know, I'll give you another example. Geno Smith. I mean, we could go over Derek Carr, $37.5 million, and I'm surprised that Jones got actually more than Carr. But look at Geno Smith. Would you ever, and I don't know who you root for, Graham, but I'm sure you're familiar with Geno Smith's work. Would you ever pay Geno Smith $35 million a year to be your quarterback? No, never. Uh, to answer your question, uh, I'm I'm a lonely North Jersey Cincinnati Bengals fan. All right, so, so you, you're I'm worried about what Joe, you know, Joe Burrow's going to get a bunch of money. Well, but it doesn't matter because you know you have a franchise quarterback. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. With a guy like Geno Smith, with a guy like Daniel Jones, there's still unknown. Even Dak, to a certain extent, I think Dak is better than both those guys. But there are still questions about Dak Prescott. So you, the, and but the Cowboys were in a spot where, similar to the Giants, they kind of. Had to bring him back. And at least the Cowboys saw what Dak Prescott did in his first four years. The Giants... I don't know if Dak, I don't know if Dak is better than those guys, honestly. I mean, if he looked that way. And I think that as he lost a lot of the talent, as, as Zeke went from one of the top three running backs in football to, like... You know, but oh, they Pollard's still have him better. And Pollard, That's why they yeah. franchised him. Yeah, lost no. Amari Cooper... Dak is Dak has really regressed into a guy that why would you pay him forty million? Well, but they but they had to. That's their guy. And at the time, everybody was going nuts the same way. It's a similar spot. And thank you for the call, Graham. But like I was about to say, the difference is that Dak had established himself early in his career consistently. Daniel Jones didn't do that. That's the difference. 
So the Giants are in a spot where they kind of had to pay for him, but based on what, one year? It's less about the contract and more about where does Jones stack up against the other quarterbacks in the league. There are several people, there's a faction of people that believe Jones is going to get to that level. Maybe not top five, you know, elite, but top 10 quarterback. Upper echelon. Right now he's, I would say, average or mildly above average. But you look at the difference of, you know, Mahomes, it's okay to give Patrick Mahomes $450 million, however much of it's guaranteed, and you're paying him $45 million a year. The Chiefs are paying Patrick Mahomes an average of $45 million a year. The Giants are paying Daniel Jones forty. You could throw in Josh Allen. You could throw in Aaron Rodgers, who's the most or the highest paid per year. Jones is one of the highest paid quarterbacks per year. Daniel Jones, he's had one good year. And even in that good year, it, it wasn't even that great. He had two great games. I do believe, though, he's got another level to his game. We just need to see it. That's all that we're saying. Jerry is calling from Pearl River. What's up, Jerry? Hey, good morning, Sal. How are you? Good morning, um, Jerry. The Giants took that chance, and so I take $5 million a year. If the $25 million was, so $5 million a year, he's only getting $40 million because you had to pay him twenty five if you did the fifth-year option. Right. So I, I, they took a chance, and they lost. Or they could have let him walk. Right, but it's not they even won. about that. It's That's kind of the, the lack of picking up the fifth-year option kind of plays to the point as well. They didn't know what he was, and now they're going to completely change course after just one year? Well, they, well he's, a, he's a a scheme fit, or Dable made him into a scheme fit, and made him a better quarterback. Correct. Three different head coaches in four years, and, and now you got to pay. Well, Or they should have did what? Baltimore did with Lamar and let, let him go see what he could get elsewhere and match. That would have been an interesting option, but you, yeah. but you also, you know, they didn't want to lose the player. They wanted Daniel Jones back, but we're still kind of, it's an extension of the evaluation for Jones. I think this will be the most telling year in his career. This to me is the, okay, now we know you could have some success now let's see what you're made of because there's going to be better weapons around him. It's year two with the same head coach, same offense that he just had some success in. How significant a leap is he going to take? This year, to me, is going to define Daniel Jones' career. I, I agree, but also um, second year of, of players. Now, he's really like a second-year player in right. this team. The defensive coordinator is going to go to town on tape on him. So this is a very big year for him to decide, you know, to, to, to the Giants to decide to see where he's at because they're going to go to get his tendencies and, and, and attack his weaknesses. You know, yeah. his whole game was different last year than it was the three years before. Agreed. And this will be now the second year under this offense, so maybe teams are going to be better prepared for Daniel Jones. And thanks for the call, Jerry. Appreciate you checking in. You know, Jones to be a great quarterback is going to have to do it against a great defense as well. He's going to have to do it consistently. He's going to have to do it both through the air and on the ground. There are a lot of different things he's still got to show here. There's been flashes of it. And look, he's got a big arm. 
just a matter of the consistency, the accuracy, the decision-making, all of that in an offense that is going to ask a little bit more of you, if not a lot more of you. Dable was smart enough to slowly bring him along here and not ask too much of Daniel Jones. But I know we're caught up in the contract and all that. It's not just, it's it's not really about the contract. The, the same thing, I think Dak is the best example because, and, and the only difference, and it's a big difference, was that Dak actually had success early on in his career. So the Cowboys kind of knew what they were getting or hoped they knew what they were getting and maybe thought that there was more to Dak, even at a higher level. But at least there was a more proven track record than what the Giants had to look at with Daniel Jones. But they're both in an interesting spot. Okay, are these quarterbacks elite, top-level quarterbacks? No, but they're our quarterbacks, and the options outside of them, if we don't pay them, are not that much better. That's the issue. You can argue the Giants would have been better off trying to draft and develop a quarterback under the leadership of Shane and Dable. You know, that's the other thing where it's not just the timing of Daniel Jones not having any success first three years, success fourth year, but it's so rare that you have a new general manager and a new head coach take over a team with an older, not an older, but with a quarterback that is going to get his fourth chance. Usually, coaches and general managers that take over, it's from a team that has failed miserably, in particular because of their quarterback. But the Giants, who were failing miserably, and the quarterback didn't do any any good, they wanted to see him another year with Brian Dable. So he gets that unique fourth year without a fifth-year option, and then he has that success, and now you're paying him off of what he's... Ideally, you're paying a quarterback after their four years based on those four years. The Giants in this spot are paying him based off of one year. That's the difference. But they kind of had to do it. They didn't really have a choice. Did I ask you, Marco, who do you think is, as Marco Belletti joins us now, who's better, Jones or Dak? Uh, You have not asked me that. I would say who's going to be better, Jones will be better than Dak, but he's not yet. Okay. I mean, he will be. Right, but that's subjective. It is. And it's the idea that, look, I think that this is, I think Joe Shane kind of mentioned it. It's the the floor, not the ceiling of Jones. Right. He said that. This is the floor. Yeah. I like that quote. Yeah. I I don't know if it was in the exact thing, but it was good way to say it. We haven't seen the ceiling if this is the floor. It was kind of in that regard. But, like, I think you've seen what Daniel Jones can be, but there's more to come. And I think the Giants are betting on that he's going to get even better. And I do think he is. And I do think he'll eventually be. Better than the Dak Prescotts of the world, the Kirk Cousins of the Where world. Where you see their ceiling. Right, but I don't think you're going to enter into the world of the Joe Burrows and the Patrick Mahomes. That's fine. He, and he doesn't He'll have come to in do, underneath that. That's fine. He doesn't have to. But he does have to at least get to that level either above absolutely. Dak or, or beyond that level. I Absolutely. I think and, he actually needs to exceed it, and I think he right. will. Okay, and that's fair. And that's your opinion. And I, I think it's in there. It might happen. Mm-hmm. And if anybody could get it out of him, it's going to be Brian Dable. Right. But all I'm saying, so then I guess we all agree, or, or at least I, I feel like I'm on the same page with the Giants. It has to happen. Hasn't happened yet. So maybe we've seen the floor, what he could do last year. That was the floor. I mean, we've seen a lower floor before that, but like this is a nice base to start at. Right. But there's still more to go. We, he has not maxed out no. yet. 
where I could look definitively at, you know, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, even Dak. I, I think That's Dak it. could be a little bit better, like clean himself up a little bit better. Yeah, maybe get rid of some of the picks, but yeah. he's not going to be much better than he is. No, I mean, that's but, what he is. But I think he's good enough to right. to get but them where they need to be. They need to see – Jones needs to prove more. He can't have the same season that he just had. He had a great year. The Giants had a great year. He needs to be better. He can't have some of the um, – the, just early on in the year where it felt like he was along for the ride, that's gone. You need to see the end of the year Daniel Jones – all the way through for next year. And right. he needs to be better. He needs to be a point where every game you feel like you have a chance because Daniel Jones will put you in the in, in the position to win the game. I also think he's got to, I don't want to say slow down on the running. They cannot rely as heavily on him in the running game. I know it's successful, maybe in certain spots, maybe in certain games. He's He's got to have a much better balance and, if anything, favor passing. He's going to get hurt again. You can't keep doing that. You're right, but I don't think it'll change much. One, you can't take away. I mean, that's really part of his game that that will separate him and make him better than other quarterbacks, right. his, his ability to do that. I would agree with you on designed runs. I don't need to see a lot of quarterback sweeps a la right. Josh Allen. That's stuff I'd like to stay away from. But if you're not going to incorporate that read and, and you know, Right. React and all that stuff that, that they like to do with Saquon, you're going to take away a giant part of their offense because the whole nice idea – <laughs> I didn't even realize yeah. I did. the, the the idea of what you're doing is taking away Saquon too, because if he's not going to have the threat of Jones running, then it takes away some of the right the ability of Saquon to get be able to get I some get some easy yards too. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm saying you got to do it a lot less. I think you need to be a little bit smarter, maybe. Right. But the Giants were in no position to do it less last year. Right. They had to to survive. Here's where you need to be better. You need to be able to score more points early so that in the third and fourth quarter, you don't necessarily have to run a quarterback sweep on a third and four to get that crucial first down. See, they need to do a better job and be more efficient of scoring touchdowns early. See, I don't mind running the football. I want to run the football with the running back more so than the quarterback. The broken down pass plays, I love it. Jones takes off. It's a backbreaker. Scrambles, gets the first down. A big play in a game, you yeah. need to call Jones's number to run it or have the RPO. I'm fine with that. I just... In the game against Minnesota, mm-hmm. they abused him mm-hmm. in the first half running the football. Yeah, he was going to get injured, and they cut, they pulled back significantly in the second half, and it cost them. They had to do it. They had to run it, run him to have to be effective. I, and year. there will be certain times and certain games that they're going to have to go back to that. Well, right. that's fine. But I hear you. You can't sustain that for 17 games. And that's the, that's the thing I've, I've had the knock on the bills. You can't do Agreed. that 17 games with Josh Allen. Now the difference between Josh Allen and Daniel Jones, other than some of the talent is simply that Josh Allen's a much bigger guy. So he can absorb some of those hits a little bit better. You would think than Jones Jones is a little bit more slight, if you will, than Josh Allen. He's not a big, huge beast, not a small guy, but he's not as enormous as Josh Allen is. Bottom line, your quarterback can't be in harm's way 17 games constantly throughout the game. You've got to find a better balance. The Giants need to do a better job of eliminating the constant designed runs. But if you eliminate it completely, if you go back to he's just a pocket passer, you're going to take away an enormous part of his game, and he's not going to be nearly as effective. Agreed. And I also, by the way, said the same thing about Josh Allen for years. What is Buffalo doing? They're going to get him killed. You can't do that with a quarterback. To me, it's... Look, there's. I know where the NFL has gone here. I know where they're going as far as evolving the quarterback position. It is not just the pocket passer anymore. You, the majority of quarterbacks can run. 
not just scramble. They can actually run. But there's a reason why. It's like in, in life, right? It's, whatever it may be. Things are cycl- um, cyclical. That's the right word. They're used. <laughs> Depends <laughs> on what you want to say. There, that is a correct word. There's, yes. a, there's a reason why quarterbacks didn't run the football back in whatever decade. Yeah. There's a reason why. Yeah. They need to be kept healthy. I'm not, now, look, I know it's evolved. Different athletes are playing the position now, so there are more than one reason. But at the core of it, there was a reason why quarterbacks would sit in the pocket and not put themselves in harm's way. And now you see these quarterbacks that are running all over the place. Guys are getting hurt. The other thing I will say to that, though, is now back when you had to do that because they couldn't protect themselves. What quarterbacks now can do because they are protected, what Daniel Jones needs to do a better job of, and every quarterback that's going to take off out of the pocket, you need to know when you got to get down right. and you got to avoid that. Mm. Put the shoulder down. I need that extra yard. You don't always need that extra yard. It's nice. I love your go getism and all that. Right. You don't need to take that hit, especially on your throwing shoulder, which Jones did a few times when he took off. You love the grit. You want to like pat He's him on the head. As anything, yeah, man. but you want to also tell him, look, you getting down and not getting that first down and setting up a fourth and one, I can live with that if you're healthy for 17. So the Giants and Dable need to be able to make sure that don't take away that aspect, but Daniel Jones must be a lot smarter in getting out of bounds and getting down and taking that slide. No question about it. You love his toughness, but you got to be smarter as well. And I do think he was better at that last year. Much better. Than in years past. Much he better. was like the worst at it. Uh, again, you got to be able to get down. Yeah, no. You know, the rules are there for you. Use right. them. All right, exactly. Protect yourself because without you, the Giants aren't anything. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.